Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It is March 30th. It is the day after the federal budget here in mm-hmm. Australia. You, of course, listening to the COB podcast from Ausbiz. I'm your host today, David Scott, and I'm joined by a macroeconomic guru who's Woo-hoo! going to go and uh, tell us all what we should be thinking about the budget, Annette Beecher. Annette, uh, look, I think we all say it was a pretty long day after a pretty long night. It was, of course, like all pointy heads, Scotty and I were both independently watching the budget last night and covering it again today. And tell you what, Scotty, the more people we spoke to, the less impressive it was. It was a pre-election budget, a bit of a cash splash, but a policy-free zone. It didn't matter what, what kind of guests we spoke to today. Yeah, I was, uh, I was not surprised, but uh, I was a bit disappointed that we didn't see anything, any even like no remote surprises. It was bland. It was pretty boring. I remember my old man went and, uh, and sent me a text message saying like, no, is there anything really in there? And I'm just like, <laughs> what have I missed? Zilch. And, uh, you're right. All of those temporary uh, cash payments and uh, no, the subsidy uh, being removed on the other fuel excise uh, for you know, a, a, a six month period of time, which is not going to go into a great deal in the longer run scheme of things. But the thing I'm struggling with is that we're still sitting on give or take around about 200 billion in excess household savings. Now we know a lot of that's probably accumulated in higher income groups, but at the same time, that is a lot of money that's still sitting there. Yeah. And we're giving people more in an inflationary environment and a time when we're already talking about you know, over 200 basis points of hikes in the RBA in the next year or so. Yeah, well, we we heard from the treasurer this morning, and of course, we we got the you know we've got to get the balance right. We're hearing the cost of living, so you know we got the, the expected explanation, I guess. But what we also got today was our Council of Financial Regulators statement. Stick with me, Scuddy, of which there's a two or three sentences basically saying households are in good shape. Businesses are in great shape. Everything's in great shape. The economy is doing well. Why we need a sugar hit when the when the budget papers tell us about the multiple billions of dollars of excess savings? We really didn't need the money in aggregate. Yeah, you probably don't remind me as well. The RBA, of course, is the chair of the uh, uh, the Australian Financial. I'm glad he's doing something because he's not talking to markets. Yeah, that need for a cash rate emergency levels at uh, ten basis points. Yeah, well, we do. Mm, that's interesting as well. Uh, nonetheless, uh, look, when do you reckon we'll actually go and see? any meaningful reforms at the moment because that's the question that a lot of people are asking at the moment where has there been any really dramatic reforms i'm trying to think you know the ndiss yes that was the one we get the other uh, super profits tax for the mining sector ever so briefly before that the gst but we haven't really seen anything to go and hang our hat on for well, a long time well the fact time. that you've just rattled off three reforms in 22 years makes me despair unfortunately we're all scarred by reform, I mean, some of us remember the uh, hockey 
Abbott budget, which tried to bring in fiscal repair. The only thing that survived that budget was the uh, 2% deficit levy, which is in my view today. Expect to see a repeat of that. And of course, we all remember the 2019 election campaign under then Bill Shorten trying to bring in reform on negative gearing, tax credits, electric vehicles, and the electorate said no. So when the electorate says no, they've, uh, they're scarred for life. So I'm, I do despair. Everyone wants overhaul of the tax system, put it that way. you got some bad news as well for uh, high income earners in your view today. I'm not going to go and give it away, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, not good if that's going to don't pay place. So yeah, make sure you have a read of Annette's angle in the uh, newsletter. Uh, look, outside of the other uh, budget, of course, I uh, know uh, markets again, like the local equity market just continuing to go and power high. I described it as mm. beast mode a couple of times on air. <laughs> so now less than 2% off all time record highs in the current environment. The accumulation index today would have closed at fresh record yeah, highs. I'd say so. uh, which is just remarkable in itself. Just, Do it, you think on any other day, Scuddy, if we, if we weren't pre-booked to talk about the budget, which of course does deserve airplay, would we have spent more time talking about why is the curve inverted? Is it different this time? Do we, as Kyle Rodder said, set the clock for a US recession? And what does that mean for investors? We did have a couple of discussions along those lines. You know, one of our favourites, Perpetual, Matt Sherwood, went through his reasons as to why it's not different. But he literally said this is the most challenging environment for an investment manager in quite some time. I reckon we would have explored those themes a bit more. Yeah, I'd, uh, I, I've been around for decades. He's been around longer than I have as well. And uh, I can tell you that I've not seen anything like this at all uh, in my time. And uh, some of the similarities to you know, the 1994 bond market episode, you know, 2007, I can see some similarities there. But uh, the signs of really big excesses that were accompanied that time, I can't see them at the moment as well. Just that it's all in the financial mm. markets at the moment when you look at the valuation. So it is an interesting one. Oh, look, I went and, uh, and challenged uh, as well uh, Dan Gerard from State Street. He went and joined me from Boston earlier nice. today. And uh, yeah, got his views on some tricky uh, matters. So yeah. Asked him about the uh, equity market rally and what, what he made of that. And he thought that was a pretty easy uh, way to get into the interview. But then I asked him about what's going on in China tech. And he's like, well, Ooh. let me go on my new ones for a And then I, then I asked him, well, how are you going to go play the energy market? Because it seems like it's almost a binary play between, hey, what happens in, uh, in Ukraine-Russian yeah. peace talks is going to be a long way to determine what happens to long-run prices in energy. It sure does. Although, just to harker back to the budget for a minute, uh, that iron ore assumption unchanged at 55, but oil got a decent upgrade. Normally, oil long run average is 50, 60 bucks, but even the budget put in $100 for oil. So, there's, uh, there's a fair few assumptions uh, fittering around in the background. What's permanent and what is temporary was certainly one of, a lot of the, the big themes today. Also had a good chat with uh, Kanesh Chug from ETS Securities uh, you know, about uh, the thematics that uh, were such dominant things in the ETS space and performed so well during the pandemic and uh, you know, faltered a little bit at the start of the year like we saw in some of those growth-orientated names and just got his uh, sense as to how we sit because we're seeing this big snapback in some yes. of those growth areas in the mm. market, whether there's uh, opportunity there at the moment or whether we want to be a little bit cautious in this particular market. I also asked him as well about uh, how we stand when it comes to thematics when the, uh, the growth to uh, to uh, to value rotation that we saw as well so pronounced at the moment it seems there's like no rotation it's like 
everything. Everything, yeah. It's, you'd almost think that cash was at zero when everything rallies. And, of course, we know that's not the case. You know, uh, we managed to almost have a Fed-free day today. Uh, of course, yesterday talking about, you know, Fed funds going from zero to 3% in one year. Why we're not talking more about that, I'm not sure. Don't worry. We've got to be talking about PC deflator out and also non-farm <laughs> payrolls in the States in the next that's couple right. of days. So, yeah, I guarantee you'll be talking about the Fed again uh, before too long. Uh, look, another piece of news out today, you know, in the corporate front, uh, which you normally go and get a lot more airplay, but you know, dominated by other things at the mm. moment. Uh, Andy Penn, uh, long-running uh, uh, Telstra uh, chief executive, standing down after seven years in the job. Uh, that was uh, you know, a bit of unusual news there at the moment because uh, from a, a turnaround perspective, He's actually done a pretty good job. Yeah, he certainly has. I mean, the MBN was, of course, the the butt of all the jokes over the years. But at the end of the day, it's been delivered. And in fact, it is ready to move on to the next phase. It's being split up into different areas. We're separating international from retail, from poles and wires. And it just maybe he's just set it all up and he's ready to take the next step. And uh, and on air, we, we dipped in to the successor Vicky Brady, I believe. Yeah, good memory. Yeah, so she she came up and introduced herself to the markets, and uh, and I believe it's the stock of the day. It is the stock of the day. So today, Koshy sat down with two pretty gurus. I got to say, I uh, know uh, Henry Jennings from Marcus today, and Carl Capolingua from Think Markets to go and get their senses to is this going to be the moment to go and offload Telstra, or is it still going to be that you know recovery story that we've seen over recent years? Take a quick listen. I guess a tick. And the fact that it hasn't um, gone up or gone down right. means that we're, we're looking at safe hands with Vicky Brady, who was the CFO, now yeah. going to be the CEO from September. And you're looking for defensive Australian focus stocks with uh, pricing power to some extent, yeah. uh, because, God, we all need yeah. technology. We all need our, our Telstra things. Uh, you know, this, this one does tick a lot of boxes. Fingers crossed, it, it has turned the corner. I mean, it, it, the last few reports, it seems to be on the up and up. Um, you know, valuation's not terrible for us. You know, I think there's probably five or six percent upside in it uh, from our fair value target. And the charts, uh, you know, not not awful is probably the way I'd look at it. So, you know, long story short, I think if you've got Telstra, you can you can hang on to it. If you don't have it, there's just so much other better stuff out there probably okay. to buy. Uh, but it will suit, you know, it will suit your, your, your defensive investor, your yield investor, but, you know, not your growth investor like me. There we have it. Uh, not a candidate for the portfolio. Uh, both the guys there you know, didn't mind the stock. A bit disappointed that, uh, that Andy Penn was uh, leaving at this mm. stage uh, in this cycle for that company. Uh, and who knows what the future holds for him? Uh, maybe. Uh, there's certainly a lot of other uh, key tasks that are responsible around the country at the moment that we could go and deal with. So... We'll see what the future holds. He could be a worthy candidate. And uh, speaking of investment and portfolio, we've had a bit of an update here in terms of that strategy, the sticky notes with Koshi leading the way, and that'll be hitting the wires in the next couple of days. So make sure you look out for that. Yeah, the investment committee, they were busy at work today and the other about the 30 seconds that I had to actually go and breathe today, given all the time on air and everything else. I did go and have a bit of a glance across and uh, saw that there has been some changes to the portfolio but uh, bad luck I'm not going to go and tell you you'll have to go have and to watch wait. the program when it's out <laughs> in the next few days or so uh, look to wrap it up Annette uh, I want to go and get uh, you know, a few other things to tidy up uh, the budget reply speech Anthony Albanese where there's been a bit of criticism we haven't heard a lot no uh, no real um, big policy announcements coming from the Labour leader ahead of the other uh, expected announcement of the other uh, election in May 
what are you looking for tomorrow night? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because ordinarily the budget reply speech, you know, what does it mean? Is it just a, a complaint fest? But, you know, they're ahead in the polls. And so this is his chance, given the feedback, because it's very convenient that uh, he – the, uh, the Labor leader gets to digest the feedback. And, of course, I've got no doubt he'll use the feedback of no vision, sugar hit, uh, no no uh, revenue raising to help pay for this debt, so much for being a fiscal conservative. Like, there's lots of buzz buzzwords. But uh, seriously, compared with the budget we digested today, all he needs is two or three policies and he will be seen as the new fiscal conservative. So that will certainly be his opportunity and let's hope he doesn't waste it. I dare say later on tonight we'll probably keep a close eye on what's going on with those peace talks between Ukraine and Russia. Some positive mm. uh, sounds coming out of that, but of course actions speak louder than words at this stage. So hopefully uh, we've got to see uh, some, uh, some progress there when it comes to uh, those Russian troops pulling out of Ukraine. Uh, another thing that uh, also is on the horizon, I mentioned that uh, the payrolls report is going to be out in the mm-hmm. States. I can't mention the name of this release that's coming up tonight because I made a promise in the newsletter that I was never going to speak it about that's again. Right. So you've got to so go and talk I'll, about it. I'll, I'll take over. Of course, it is ADP. It is always released the Friday ahead of payrolls. It's given us some terrible signals, uh, such as funnily a negative turned into a plus 800,000 last time, which is why Scuddy said, I am off this release forever. Having said that, if it drops, there will be a market reaction. So we'll be keeping a beady eye out on that tonight. The less said about uh, ADP, the better. That's the last <laughs> time I'm going to utter those three acronym <laughs> uh, words on the other uh, program here. I'm, uh, I'm well and truly over it after last month's episode. Look, we'll leave it there. We've said a lot today. We'll go cool our heels and we'll see you bright and early on air tomorrow morning at 8.30. See you then. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.